0: Hey, as we talked about in the last couple of episodes, for the beginning of Season 6, we are going to be introducing you to some of the different contributors of the Firetime Magazine. And today, we are continuing our conversation from last week with Sam O'Donnell. So, if you didn't listen to last week's episode, we're going through 5 best practices to simplify the customer experience. And this is profound. We we covered steps 1 through 3 last week. Today we're covering 4 and 5. But this this content is something that I would say is is some of the most practical that you can put in play right now if you're a retailer. Sam is somebody that worked with me for about a year and a half before I left to start my own business. And the wisdom that he brings to the table is tremendous and and as you hear this, I mentioned this in last week's episode. He has been in the industry for like 15 months. This is, this is not someone that has tenured experience, but he has been a learner and a practitioner. And I hope that this conversation opens up your eyes to think, what could I expect from my team after just 15 months with me? Like You can really expect serious results and professionalism if you train them the right way. And it helps if you get somebody like Sam, who's just tremendous. So I'm going to run through the five best practices to simplify the customer experience real fast, and then we'll jump into the conversation. So last week, we talked about number one, establishing a sales process. Number two, avoiding industry jargon. And number three, providing a quick quote in today's conversation we take a deep dive on step four which is following up with your customers i've got a lot of thoughts on that and we go down the rabbit hole and sam gives you some very practical tips that he uses day in and day out to do this finally number five is be proactive and we talk about what a proactive mentality on the sales floor can do for you and this is something that truthfully when you hear sam talk about this like you're gonna to say to yourself, Well, I, I can't do that. I don't have time to do that. There's no way that our company could do this. But I mean, he's got the same constraints that all of you do, and and he makes an effort to make it happen. And you're gonna you're gonna hear him say over and over again that making this investment on the front end will save you a boatload of agony on the back end. And so I'm going to get out of the way. I I think that this conversation is really special. Like I said, if you didn't hear the first three steps, you want to go back and listen to last week's episode. But man, if you have a sales team, have them listen to this episode, especially when we get into follow-up. We explain the fear that salespeople have when they follow up, how that used to be me, that used to be Sam, but how following up with customers is actually a service. And if your business has not yet built out a system of follow-up, you are ready to grossly increase your sales next year. And the best news is that it's not going to cost you anything. These are customers that have already come in to do business with you. You're just not following up with them. So I'm going to get out of the way and let you enjoy this conversation. I think that it's tremendous and, and this is special. Joining me once again from Beaverton, Oregon is a retail sales associate for Fireside Home Solutions. I'm here today with Sam O'Donnell. Sam, welcome back to the podcast.
1: Thank you, Tim. Good to be back.
0: You know, I I loved our conversation last week, and I was on the fence if we should make it a two-parter or not, but I I really think that there's some serious meat here, and I'm glad that we're stretching it out and we can go deep. So... For anybody that didn't catch last week's episode, Sam's one of our contributors for the Firetime Magazine, and he put together an article that's about simplifying the customer experience, and it goes over five best practices. What I'm going to do is I'm going to read all five, and last week we covered the first three. Today, we're going to cover the last two, but Sam, you know the first thing that you talked about, if you want to simplify the customer experience, step one is to establish a sales process. Number two avoid industry jargon. That's one that hits very close to home for me that I wholeheartedly agree with. Number three is to provide a quick quote. And then today, four and five, we're going to talk about following up with customers and finally being proactive, okay? So if you want to hear the first three, listen to last week's episode, but we're just going to jump right in and hit the ground running. Sam, if we want to simplify the customer experience, can you just talk to me about like following up with customers? Why is it so important? And, and, and what does that look like for you?
1: Sure thing following up with customers is is something I've had to battle, right? So what I, refer, what I referenced in the article was, you know, check your inbox, and the odds are it's probably filled with promotional information about products you've inquired about. And if you're anything like me, it, it drives you nuts. Um, and so I used to feel a sense of guilt following up with customers, feeling like I was bothering them. Um, I had a mentor, namely Tim Reed, who helped (laughs) change my belief on this matter. Uh, His viewpoint on it is there's a sense of duty to follow up with customers, right? So they've dedicated a portion of their limited time to visit our showroom, to have us to their house, to to help them with their project. And, you know, in the world that we live in today, there's no shortage of matters that require our attention. So people get sidetracked. And what I found is, The more that I follow up with customers, the more grateful the customers are. They never lost interest in the project. They simply got sidetracked by other things. And so what that does is it it, it makes it a lot easier for a customer to buy from you because they're not having to track you down. You're proactively tracking them down.
0: You know, I mean, I want to riff on this for a while because you, you hit the nail on the head. You know, there's, there's a couple different kinds of follow-up in, in the world of, of buying and selling. And I think about, like, what you mentioned is, like, the unwanted follow-up. So, you know, if I'm, like, scanning hotels on my computer because I'm thinking about traveling somewhere, and then all of a sudden I start getting emails from, like, Marriott or, like, whatever the hotel is, that's a nuisance. I didn't ask for it. I don't want it. I was just casually, like, surfing the web, and you have tracked me down. So, like, that's not what we do, though, Right you know, you think about the people that are coming into your showroom. We we've we talked about this at nauseum, right? Like what's the process that has brought them here? Step one, you know, they decided they wanted a fireplace. Okay. Awesome. Like they're imagining what their lives could be like once that's complete. So they're so excited. They jump on the internet. They end up on a manufacturer's website that confuses the daylights out of them. And they're left thinking, wait, do we want a fireplace? Like, what's an insert? Like, what is a zero clearance? Is this too many BTUs? Like, wait, what, what does that even mean? They're totally confused. What's the budget? Is it going to work? How can it get installed? They have all these questions. They go to a local dealer's website, which probably isn't much better than the manufacturers in many cases. So finally, they, they you know, jump onto Google Maps and they, they punch in, like, fireplace store, Beaverton, Oregon. They see there's a couple stores. They, they plan their week. I mean, if you're like me and you have a couple little kids, like, man, getting the family out to a retail store on the weekend, like, that takes an act of God. So we, we pack the kids up. We get them in the car. We come on down to the fireplace store. We spend 45 minutes with, you know, a team member like you, Sam, talking through the project. And you, you make me feel like, hey, you can do this. It's probably going to cost you about this much. You know, it's probably going to take this long to install. Here's a written estimate. We leave. And uh, we never hear from you again. You know, that's not the situation of casually surfing the web. This company through a cookie or something can track you down and start blasting you with with follow-up information. This is a serious customer that has made a major investment to come and talk to you. And for you just to give up on their project before it's even started is insane.
1: I 100% agree. And I think you're right. There's a stark difference between wanted and unwanted follow-up. Yeah customers give you their personal information. Oftentimes they trust you enough to invite us into their, into their home, their living space. And so they want to be followed up with. They've expressed enough interest in the project. They've dedicated their time to you. Oftentimes they've taken an hour off of work to meet you at their house. There is a responsibility for us to follow up with them. And outside of responsibility, it's going to help you immensely as a salesperson. Yeah. Um, I tallied up the total number of sales that I can attribute to follow-up, and that would be a sale that happened 30 days after the original proposal was presented, that amounted to roughly 10% of my sales for the year. Yeah. That's an astronomical number in terms of the overall oh, yeah. sales that I was able to, to make over the course of a year. 10% is nothing to scoff at.
0: And, and that doesn't even include the follow-up you did within 30 days.
1: Uh, exactly there's yeah. there's consistent follow up from the time the proposal is originally presented there's follow up each i'd say in increments of 2 or 3 days i'm sending something that reminds the customer here's the proposal here's yeah. what we discussed are there questions are there is there anything i can help you with and more often than not the customer is extremely thankful that you've taken the time to do that
0: i totally agree you know, and, and I think that, you know, when when we did training for you, I'm thinking back to September of last year, I feel like follow-up was a monster part of those first couple of months. It was like, I feel like we threw quite a bit into that.
1: You did. I mean, you beat me over the head with it and I'm extremely grateful for it because as I said, it was a battle for me. Yeah. I felt uncomfortable doing it. I thought I was being a nuisance Yeah. and it's given me an incredible amount of success and I've been able to build rapport with customers because I'm willing to follow up. Yeah. The other gold in following up is it requires nothing more than storing your customers information in an organized fashion and having the willingness to make a habit out of doing it it doesn 't cost you anything yes it 's effort right
0: yeah dude, so good you know when uh, when I talk to businesses there 's been multiple times where i've i 've uh, been at the table with with some really really good dealers, and I always ask them what 's your follow up process because I want to know like I want to know what 's working what what secrets are out there. And, um, more often than not, the answer is they get embarrassed and they kind of say, you know, we don't have one. What would you recommend? And, and I, I just, I think for, for a business that has not invested in a follow-up system and by system, I mean, this is how you track your opportunities. This is how often you go through them. This is how many times you call a customer back before giving up. If your business has not done that, I will say that you literally can sell another 50% of whatever you did last year, right away. Like you'll, you'll do it in this next year just by following up. Now, I don't know if you have the installation capacity to uh, actually get that in, but I'm telling you like, this is free business because these are people that have come in. They've, they've given you their information. A lot of them have invited you out to their house. Like they trust you.
1: I agree with that. And the odds are your competitors probably aren't doing it. Yeah. i 've shopped around for fireplaces casually just out of interest, mm-hmm. and it is extremely rare that somebody follows up with me after i 've gone into their showroom and, and had a conversation with them yeah so if that 's something that you 're doing that your your competition's not you 've got a huge leg up you know uh, one
0: of the one of the things that that I would do i 'm thinking about a situation now where you know we 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 think that in home visits is really important, and so we had a time where I was going out to a client's house. They'd been into the showroom once or twice. They, they finally invited me out. We'd already provided them an estimate their first time in the showroom. So now that I'm out at the house, I just I just ask them honestly. I say, hey, this is this is going to work. We're just double checking everything. You know, would you like to get on the schedule? And it was an older couple, and I remember the lady said, oh, you know, we've we've actually we thought about even canceling this appointment because we we've already kind of decided to buy from you know competitor X. And I listened. And I said. Hey, I, you can do business with whoever you want. Um, can I ask why? And they say, well, you know, their price is just going to be better. We we like this fireplace. I forget what the reason was. And I said, oh, I understand that. I said, could I take a look at the proposal though? I just love to see what the differences are between these and and just look at that at that price difference. And the husband was like, hey, honey, remember they never they never sent us the bid. And she was like, they didn't. And he goes, yeah, you know, they, they said they would, but they didn't. And so I just jumped in. I was like, oh, well, when did they say they'd send it to you? And it was like two or three days ago. And, and she was like, oh, oh, I guess I thought that we had it, but man, they didn't send the bid. And literally they bought the fireplace there. They just, they just said, oh, I mean, you came out here even when you didn't have to, and and you've been so good each step of the way. uh, You know, we're just going to buy it. And, 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 and again, this is varying a little bit from follow-up, but it's the fact like follow-up, it, it kind of means like doing what you say you're gonna do when you say you're gonna do it. And the fact is that that this company didn't and so they lost the
1: job. Exactly. And that ties into one of the previous previous steps, um which is a quick quote. Yes. Um but but sending a quote or a proposal is a form of follow up. Yes. Right? So the quicker you can do that, and especially if you do it in the time frame that you promise, if you know you're busy yeah. and it's going to be 48 hours, tell the customer that and yeah. make sure that you do it within that time frame. Yep. As long as you're being honest and upfront with your customers, people are pretty understanding. Yeah. Um, so I, I would say at, at the end of the day, like I said before, it, it really comes down to effort. And there's not really an excuse to not follow up with people. Yeah. If you have an excuse that, that you're too busy to do it, there are literally web applications that'll automate follow-up for yeah. you. Tim, you actually put me onto Closing Commander, yep. which which is an application that, that automates follow-up for you. I, I did it for a little while and I didn't stick with it only because I realized I wasn't busy enough that I couldn't take the time to follow yeah. up on my own. And yep. so I just prefer a more personal style of follow-up. Yeah. That can be customized, but nonetheless there are so many tools that can yeah. help you with follow up that there's no reason to not do it.
0: Yeah, I agree. And yeah, I'm a big fan of closing commander if if it's the right fit for your business. And but I love what you did, Sam. Like you looked at it and said, "Hey, this is great, but I've got time to do it." And I think if you're a salesperson that gets paid on any kind of a sliding scale, any kind of a commission, this is your best hour. I mean, I mean, you know, when 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 we were working together, Sam, my mentality was that like if I if I could give you an hour or two, two to three days a week where you had my office or you were at a coffee shop or even at home and all you were doing was working through your backlog of customers and following up, I felt like that was the most productive two hours I'd get out of you the whole week because these are people that are down deep in the sales funnel. Like when people come in the showroom, amazing. That's great. That's the top of the funnel. If you've got someone that has allowed you to write them up an estimate or even like allowed you to come out to their house, they are one step away from buying like, Man, let's focus some time and energy there.
1: They're tiptoeing the edge yeah. of becoming a, a paying customer. And it, it, it's just a shame to let those kind of opportunities fall by the wayside because of a lack of effort or because of a lack of organization. Yeah. And so, as you mentioned, Tim, you've, you've walked them through the entire process. And you, as a company, have already invested a lot of time in this. You've spent your time on the showroom floor educating. Yep. You've sent a preview tech out to the house an hour of their day is gone. You've taken the time to write up a proposal. You've answered customer questions. If you've gone through the process and effort of doing all of that, you can't, you can't lose those opportunities just because you're not going to follow up with a customer.
0: Yep. You know, and and I've worked for companies too where, where ownership believed in follow-up, but it was never communicated why to the team members. So I was kind of like you, Sam, for a long time that like I just viewed it as a nuisance. My mentality was, hey, if they're going to buy, they're going to buy. And I remember the owner would, would, would get so mad. Like we had a big dusty bin full of old quotes. And I remember one day, like they counted it up and they said, guys, there's over a million dollars worth of work in here. And I was like, so that's not a million dollars worth of work. Those are people that aren't going to buy anyway. But what was, there was no dis. there was a, a total disconnect between like, no, like, Again, these people came in to visit us. They want to do the work. Your job as a I thought my job as a salesperson was to talk to people on the showroom floor because that, that was the job description that was given to me. I, I feel like since then, and whenever I, I onboard, I, I try to tell people that like 25% of your job is talking to people on the floor. If you're a salesperson, like 75% of your job is sitting near your computer, writing emails, making phone calls to close sales. Truly. I believe, I believe that that is 75% of your job.
1: If not more. Yeah. If not more, I mean, if you're lucky to have enough traffic that talking to customers on the showroom floor is more than 25% of your job, then you've got a pretty good thing going. No but but ultimately, your job is is, is to follow up with customers. Yeah. Um, there are so many opportunities that that I've had and created that that came to fruition maybe six or seven months after the original touch. Yeah. And that's because I consistently stayed in touch with people. And people will be honest with you. I have customers that say, you know what, Sam, this is a project we wanted to do, but something more urgent needs to get taken care of or handled. Please follow up with me in August. It would be a shame to let an opportunity like that slide. So I've got a system to where if customers tell me that, I've got notifications that say, August 1st, I'm going to call Andrew and make sure that he's he's ready to go with his fireplace.
0: Okay, let's dig deep on this. Uh, Like, what? Talk to me about your system.
1: Yeah, so the system that I have, I I do it simple. I have a a Google calendar. And if people tell me to follow up with them, I just create a notification. So when I walk into the office that day, August 1st, three months down the road when the customer said, I'd like you to follow up with me, that's the very first thing I see when I walk into the office in the morning.
0: Amazing. I think that everybody here has the technology to do that. (laughs)
1: Absolutely. It's as simple as it could possibly be but it works and it makes sure that opportunities don't fall by the wayside. Yeah.
0: You know, um, one, thing, one thing whenever I, I teach sales and follow-up, and, and I'm serious, like for most businesses listening, this is an opportunity. Don't beat yourself up about the past. Man, this is an opportunity for the future. Like you've been successful without this. This is like pouring gasoline on a fire now that you've got it. You know, most of the time I come into businesses, I say, Cut your advertising, cut your marketing, give your sales team two hours every other day to follow up with customers and you'll transform your business next year. But I believe when it comes to follow up, you need to follow up a minimum seven times with a client before you give up on it, minimum. And and whenever I teach this, people are like, what are you talking about? No one wants to be called seven times about something. And I'm like, well, okay, if you call me and I say no, then I don't want to be called every, I don't want to be called one more time about it. But if you call me and get my voicemail and you leave a gracious voicemail saying, hey, Tim, this is Sam from Fireside. You were in last week and we're taking a look at this gas insert. I was thinking about your project and I just had a couple of ideas that I think would look really nice. Feel free to give me a call if you'd like. I mean, I'm not bothered by that. Now, I may not call you back because I'm busy. But if a week later I get another call, that's like, hey, Tim, just wanted to check back in. I know that a couple of weeks ago you were really thinking about that gas insert. We've got a promotion going on for a few weeks. I just wanted to make sure that you understood it like this is not an annoyance and if like eventually you're going to get me and I'll, I'll either tell you oh thank you um I bought elsewhere or I didn't buy or I'm not ready yet but you're not going to get a customer yelling and screaming at you because you haven't handled it like a telemarketer
1: I agree and I think there's strategic ways to create opportunities to follow up with customers Yeah if you're just if you get to a point where you've you've asked the customer multiple times if they want to buy create some incentive say hey I know we were discussing this product just so happens this month, the manufacturer's running a promotion. I just wanted to make sure you were aware of it, yeah. I know you 're interested in the product, but here 's a way for you to save some money and get this project completed.
0: Oh yeah, and even like you know if you keep track of past installations, like keep a file in your computer of different different product types, so just so email this customer or call them and say, "Oh my gosh, like we just had one of these fireplaces installed It reminded me of your project. I just wanted to send you this email about it. like you can be creative with this, and one of the things I, I think about is um, I don't think I've told this story on the podcast before, but probably four years ago, we had a sales meeting and, and we had a very tenured person in the industry. He was a tremendous technical mind, very good salesperson, but he really struggled with follow-up. He, he just, he felt like he was bugging people. It had never been something that he'd been taught before. And he really struggled with it. And I was, I was really like kind of beating the team saying like, I am going to hold you accountable for how often you're following up with your customers. Cause it's a service to them. And at the time he was looking at getting hardwood floors in his house and he got, he got the bid and everything. And in the meeting he told me, he goes, Tim, you're not going to believe this, but like, I, I just all of a sudden remembered that it's been like two months since I got my bid for hardwood floors. And I'm kind of mad because I wish it, the work would have been done by now, but I've just, I've been busy and I've hadn't, I had not i did not even think to call him. And if they just would have called me for my credit card, I just would have given it to him over the phone And he, and and that was the point for him where it clicked. Like, he's like, like I want hardwood floors. So it is a service if you call me and ask if I want to get going. And if I can't get going, I'll tell you.
1: I agree. I, and to go back to one of the things that you, you taught me early on, people don't just happen into a fireplace shop. If they come in, they're interested in something, right? They have a problem that needs to be solved or they're interested in something. And so these are serious customers. And to your end, if you get over the fact that you're not being a nuisance, you can have fun with it, yeah. you can get creative with it, and you're going to create a ton of opportunities for yourself. And ultimately, it creates a better experience for your customer. Oh, it totally does. And and I think you're right that most
0: companies don't follow up. So when you're a company that can, it, it's really powerful. I mean, especially you're, you're gracious and you're kind about it. And when they say no, like, you, no problem. Like, we leave you alone. but. But man, like, yeah, we are going to, we are going to, you know, call seven times because we really want to make sure that, that you moved on from this project. I think that that's a service. We'll get back to our conversation with Sam O'Donnell in just one minute. Hey, if you're listening to this, I know that there are going to be questions and we are actually going to be answering those in the last episode of this season in a Q&A episode. This is something that we'd love to do because, you know, you hear experts week after week talking about the best practices that you can do to grow your business, but there's always questions about how does it fit into my context specifically? Well, we're going to answer all of those for you. And the way that you ask your question is by going to the website, itsfiretime.com slash Ask. There's a form right there on the site where you can ask your question. It goes straight to me, and we're going to be getting to as many of those as we can in the Q&A episode. So if you've been wondering how to apply this, you have some questions about the nuance of your business, now's the time to ask. We'll answer it in the last episode of this season. Go to the website. It's firetime.com slash ask. Sam, so so that's, that's number four in the five steps. I want to move to number five. This is so important, and Stephen Covey would be really proud of you. So step five in simplifying the customer experience is be proactive. And I would, I'd love to tee you up and hear about why this is so important.
1: Most of the article is based on pre-sale actions. Yeah. Proactivity, by and large, is, is a post-sale action. But it does tie into being easy to do business with. So there, there's a number of ways to, to be proactive. I'll lay out a few examples yeah and we can go from there. So whether you're a dealership that handles installation or not, I think it's pretty clear to everybody in the industry, the initial transaction an an agreement to buy a fireplace is not the end of the relationship with the customer. There's always gonna be a period of time between the initial transaction and when a product gets installed. So the example that I used is let's say you've got an example or a customer that's excited about installing a new zero-clearance gas fireplace, but she mentioned on a number of occasions she's terrified of the demo work required to do this. I mean, this is her living room. They're ripping a hole in the wall. Exactly. She's terrified about it. A week before the install, take it upon yourself to give your customer a call. Let her know that you've walked the job through thoroughly with your installation team, and everybody feels confident that that it's going to go smoothly. This will literally take you two minutes, but it will go a long way with your customer. Just in terms of making her feel comfortable about the job, making letting her know for sure that that she's taken care of yeah. and that she can trust you and your team.
0: It, it, it's such a good customer experience, and you're right; it does simplify things. You know, um, I, I Grant talks about this a lot. That that uh, you know, a sales transaction it's kind of like a like a love bank in a relationship you know like like you need to invest in your relationship and get some equity in that bank so that when there's like withdrawals you don't you don't clear out the account the same thing's true with a customer you know and if you've provided a good experience all the way through you've had your eyes on the job you've talked with your team that buys you a lot of grace if like there's a warranty issue on the fireplace or something Strange happens that, that no one could have taken into account. You have you have because of of being proactive. You have presented yourself as a professional who cares about this customer, and and I would say uh, there's a there's actually uh, we've had we've had Adam Crib on from from Minnesota. He's a successful sales rep out there, and and I know he's someone that's very proactive in the same way. But these are things that most people are too busy for, right?
1: Exactly. You shouldn't be too busy for it, but ultimately. If you let yourself be too busy for it, then you're going to be. Yeah. But again, you can put a plan in place. It just takes organization. It just takes effort. And I, I love what you just referenced there in terms of buying grace. Look, there's going to be problems that arise, yeah. right? Installing a fireplace, they're complex niche products, things go wrong. And at the end of the day, if you've taken care of your customer, if you've been proactive in letting them know that that everyone on the team feels good about their job, Yeah. You're absolutely right. If something goes wrong, they're going to have some trust in you and some faith in you that you're going to make it right for them.
0: Yeah. I, yeah. You know, there's so, there's so much to that of just showing that, hey, we've looked this over. Our team is really excited to do it. We can't wait to see how this, how this goes for you. I, I think as a customer, it's very reassuring, especially when they're in an unknown. They're not used to doing this sort of thing. To know that, that someone that doesn't have to has gone the extra mile to, to talk about it with their installation team means a lot. And actually, you know, I'm, I'm assuming that you're actually doing the thing that you said you'd do. If you actually did review that with your installation team, man, the job's probably going to go a lot smoother.
1: Absolutely. And every company probably has a, a process for that. I love what we do at Fireside. Yep. Um, we used to have meetings with our installation team. Not so much anymore. Part of that's due to pandemic. Yep. But there is still a process where our installation managers are looking through the orders and the jobs. And more often than not, I'll get a phone call a week before an install and say, hey, I just saw this. Yep maybe we should consider doing something differently. Yep. I mean that's that's big value. I mean we could go down a rabbit oh, hole yeah. with that, but ultimately you're right. It's the job's going to go well if you're proactive enough to think about a customer's installation before it happens.
0: Yeah, I agree. And you know, so so before before I left Fireside and before the pandemic when we were able to meet in person, one of my favorite rhythms was basically every week we'd have the sales team wake up early, we'd have a meeting with the installers, we'd buy donuts or coffee or whatever and I mean, we probably met for a solid hour, sometimes an hour and a half, but basically we would review the upcoming jobs. Now, because at the time in our model was that we had salespeople doing the in-home visits. And so, of course, the benefit of that is that you can get out very quickly. The downside is that you have a salesperson walking the job. Exactly. So the salespeople have to be very technically savvy. And what was so cool is that we would have the sales team review the jobs with the installers where we would put it up on a big screen TV and we'd say, hey, here's a tricky one. This is what I was thinking. Is this going to work properly? What would you do here? And the group would come together and solve the problem. And then the next week in the meeting, if, if there's anything that went sideways or something went wrong, the installation team would say, hey, this is what happened next time, do this. And I feel like we hit this awesome rhythm of like, really having stuff go smooth on the front end because we were looking at it proactively. And then we were learning from the installers. And it also built some camaraderie between the sales team and the installers, which sometimes there can be friction.
1: Camaraderie with, with your installation team as a salesperson is huge. Um, I don't want to veer too far off track, but it does go back to being proactive. From those meetings, we were able to learn from each other's mistakes. Yep. So we didn't have two people making the same mistake, Right. And beyond that, having to go to a meeting early in the morning seems like a, a burden, right? It's an hour of time I don't want to spend. But spending that one hour up front solving problems oh. before they happen, the amount of back-end work yes. that you have to deal with when something goes wrong that could have been prevented will far out, out exceed that one hour that you spent troubleshooting.
0: Sam, you hit the nail on the head. You're, yeah, you're totally right. And one of the cool things I found, and th- and this is where... You know, when you when you go out for a site visit, you want to get it right. You really do. But the beauty about a meeting like this is you catch stuff before it happens. So if there was anything, like, because we're taking a million pictures, we got job notes. If there's anything that looks questionable, you got the install team going, oh, hey, I've seen that before. Um, did you take this into account? And the salesperson can go, oh, yeah, I did. Or, oh, no, I didn't. You know what, though? I got some free time this afternoon. I'm going to call the customer and ask him if they'll send me this picture. Like, solve the problems before they happen. It's amazing how much time on the back end that saves versus like, you know, my father-in-law, he always used to say the hurrier you go, the behinder you get.
1: Yes, slow down to speed up. Is yeah. I had a, a a boss in in a previous experience who used to tell me that. Slow yeah. down to speed up. Yeah. And it couldn't ring more true here. Yeah. And the beauty of that of of being proactive about things like this is it ultimately does save you time. It, it takes time to be proactive, but it saves you time on the back end. Yeah. If you've ever been a, a sales rep for, for a dealership, you know that there's absolutely nothing more frustrating than having to deal with problems that happen on job sites. Oh, my gosh. It eats up your day. You've got a whole plan for your day, and all of a sudden it's derailed. Yep. And so if you're if you're proactively trying to find solutions to problems before they happen, you're going to free up an incredible amount of time for you to follow up with customers. Yeah. Get proposals out quickly, you name it. So, all of those things factor into one, your success as a sales rep, but two, the overall customer experience.
0: Sam, we varied a lot from the beginning example of making the proactive call to to reassure the customer on the zero clearance fireplace install. But I love where we went. I want to circle back to your article, though, because you give another example about like when something goes wrong. So, like when something goes wrong and you get a call from the installer out in the field, hey, We ran into this situation. This isn't going to work. The part wasn't on the truck. Whatever it is, talk about being proactive in that moment.
1: Yes, it's the hardest time to be proactive. My instinct when something goes wrong is hide under the desk. Yes, I do not want to feel the wrath of my customer. This is not the time to cower. It's not the time to hide. This is your opportunity to take advantage of being proactive. You need to get on the phone with the customer before they call you. Don't have them track you down. It's your responsibility to call them, explain what happened, let them know that you're putting a plan together to solve the problem. And until the problem's solved, you've got to over-communicate with the customer. Yeah. Do not hide. This is the greatest opportunity to, to build rapport with a customer. So I've, I had a scenario in the past. There was a particular job that could not have gone any worse than it possibly <laughs> did. From start to finish, the whole thing was an absolute disaster this particular customer, we, we eventually solved the problem, but because of the way that we handled it, because I was proactive in communicating our plan to make things right and ultimately delivering on that, she's referred more business to me than any other customer I've worked with. So we create a gigantic headache for this lady. <laughs> and she's probably on the verge of hating my guts. Yeah. At the end of the day though, her and I, we still talk, we still laugh about it. It's fun. And she sends her friends to me. Yeah. And I can't speak enough about when things go wrong, that is absolutely when you need to be proactive. Otherwise, you're going to lose opportunities left and right. Customers aren't going to trust you. And to me, there's a responsibility, right? Uh, This customer's trusted in you to quite literally put a fire into their house. And if things go wrong, someone's got to be on the hook for it. And as a sales rep, it is 100% your responsibility to to create a plan, make it right, and communicate that plan to the customer until the problem's solved.
0: You said something really profound when we were offline before we turned the mics on, and it was that you feel like when a customer buys a fireplace from you, they're actually buying
1: into you. 100% true. They're, they're buying a fireplace product, but they could buy that any number of places. At the end of the day, they're ultimately buying into you and they're trusting you. For whatever reason... They've enjoyed the experience that you've created for them. It's now your time to make sure that you deliver on that.
0: Yeah, I think that's so wise. And, and Sam, I've told you this before, but I'll, I'll say it on the record here that I have never met somebody that is as good at this as you. I've, I've never met somebody that is so willing and proactive to jump on the grenade before... It gets to the customer. And I think that that served you really well. And I think that that has actually exponentially sped up your maturity in the industry and your success in the industry because you've, you've I mean, in the whole time that we work together are always looking at, okay, did this go wrong? What do we do about it? Okay, I'm going to call the customer. And then you call the customer and say, we're so sorry, this happened we don't have an answer yet, but I'm going to call you in one hour. And then you call them in an hour. And, and, and then you say, you know what? We're going to have a plan for you by the end of the day. And then you call them at the end of the day. And at the end of the day, you say, you know what? And I'm going to touch base with you at 10 o'clock in the morning, right after our installation meeting gets done. I've seen you do this a number of times and, and it is powerful. This is like what I found. Cause you know, for me when, when I was managing all this, all the stores in Portland and Seattle, you know, there's, there's certain situations that I have to deal with that are the problem situations and I will say, no matter what the story is, 99% of the time, it is our fault. Like 99% of the time, it's our fault. It doesn't mean that the customer did everything perfectly. It doesn't mean that, that there's not something that happened on their end, but, but there's something that we own that if we would have been proactive, it would have gone better. And frankly, in most situations, I side with the customer. Because I think about what if I was buying this fireplace, right? Like whatever the situation is, like, so what if I dropped ten thousand dollars and someone came and ripped a hole in my wall and they weren't able to complete the work? And then they call me and the parts back order, and it's gonna be a week and a half where I've got, you know, like framing and insulation that's exposed, and my house is cold now because of it, like. Just think about like, that would be in fear. I, I spent $10,000 and like, you're like, you can't do this, especially if the company's hiding from me, right? But if I get those proactive calls of like, hey, I'm so sorry, this is what happened. This is what we're doing about it. This shows you are a professional. And one of the big things in construction is like, we're not selling perfection. Like I would actually tell this to customers sometimes if it was a really complicated project, I would just level with them and say, hey guys, like sometimes a remodel project can be like a roller coaster. I can't promise you that this is gonna, that you're going to be able to like hold your Coke and nothing's going to spill through the entire roller coaster, but what I can promise you is that we will see you through every step of the way, and when this is done, it will blow your minds how amazing it is.
1: Exactly. The other side of that coin is if you're not dealing with the problems that are presented, that doesn't make them go away. So if you want to feel wrath, let something go wrong. <laughs> let something go wrong on an install and hide from your customer. Yeah. yeah. The, the amount of, of anger you're going to receive is, is going to be 10 times higher than if you are proactive about it. I mean, yeah. there's no way around the fact that you're going to have to deal with, with somebody that you've upset because something has gone wrong. How you handle that makes all the difference in the world.
0: Yeah, Sam. And, and like these keys do simplify the customer experience but they actually simplify your experience and your process too. I mean, I'm going down the list here as we're wrapping up. So you've got these five things. If you want to simplify the customer experience, step one, establish a sales process. Well, that actually makes your life easier as a salesperson because you don't have to think about what's next. You have a process for it. Step two, avoid industry jargon. Well, this means that you can actually clearly explain something once Rather than try to say it like five times, they don't understand it, and it takes forever to sell things. So you don't you don't you know make as many sales because you have to talk to way more people, it's less work to do it simple and do it right. Next is give a quick quote. I mean, what's the alternative? The alternative is you don't give a quote, and then maybe they call you back like two weeks later, but you've forgotten about everything that you talked about before. So you have to either re-ask them all the questions or you provide a quote that's not accurate, but now they've shopped around at a couple other places, so now you're dealing with competition give a quick quote. It makes your life easier. Follow up with customers. I mean, like we beat this to a pulp today. Like this makes your life easier as a salesperson because you make more sales. And if you want, like, I'm telling you, if you want flexibility in your job, become a ninja at follow-up and go tell your boss you want to work remote two days a week. Like seriously, they'll do it. They will let you do it. If you can prove that you are proactive with this time. And then finally, yeah, be proactive. Like doing this It simplifies the customer experience and it makes your life easier. Sam, this is profound and like people listening to this are not going to believe that you haven't even spent 15 months in the industry yet. You know, any, any parting thoughts on this whole conversation of, of making it easy for our customers?
1: Absolutely. So to sort of summarize why I think this is valuable, I'm going to, I'm going to share a story that actually, that happened to me today. So I had uh, a couple walk in here today and they had just been at one of our competitor shops down the road. And they could not believe. They were explaining to me how they're willing to spend seven to $8,000. And the gentleman in the store had no interest in helping them, was rude to them, didn't answer their questions. And in my mind, I'm thinking, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> but I think ultimately it's probably more common than what you think. Yeah. I-, I don't want to think that about the industry, but that's not the first time I've had a, a story like that. Yeah. And so my goal is to be the polar opposite of that. Yeah, I'm going to welcome you here. I want you to feel comfortable. I'm, I'm really appreciative that you've come here. And I'm going to do everything I can to help you solve your problem or get what you want. Yeah, And hopefully be fun to work with along the way. Sam, I think it's an
0: awesome way to do business, man. This is so valuable. And uh, I just appreciate you coming back on the show. Thank you. Thanks, Tim. Well, I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Sam O'Donnell. I love the chance to get to talk to him. and. Now I didn't mention this last week or this week, but obviously you can hear it in the interviews that you know we're wearing masks because we actually conducted this interview in person. What's cool is that I live you know very close to the old showroom that I used to work at, so I actually took my microphone setup down there and we sat at a safe social distance wearing masks. But it was really fun to get to conduct an in-person interview once again. What what I think is so powerful with this is when when he talks about following up with customers, like. Guys, listen, this is not theory. This is not like me or him as like this, you know, big expert that's written a book about, like, well, here's the best practices for follow up. Like, no, like, these are people who have done this day in and day out and have found that it is a monster success. And we are just simply sharing what we have done to grow our businesses. Like, Sam lives and breathes this every single day. If you can build a follow up system, for your customers, you will win. Like, end of story. You know, we, we've had episodes in, in the past about follow-up. We had Adam Cribb on back, and I think it was season two, to talk about how do we follow up with our customers. And I, I'd advise going back and listening to that episode, we'll, we'll put a link for it in the show notes. But this is low-hanging fruit that many businesses just, just flat out miss. I've told the story on the podcast before, I believe, but if you haven't heard it, you can track me down at a, at a trade show. I mean, like the worst follow up experience I ever had was a customer absolutely chewing me out, reaming me on the phone, calling back to the store to try to complain about the terrible experience I gave them by, you know, harassing them with follow up. And a team member pretended to be my boss, listened to the call, and then called the customer back and sold them a fireplace. Like, I have never seen anything like it. But the point of that is that that's like the worst that's going to happen is someone's going to say, you don't call them anymore. And then you don't. You check them off the list, you don't call them. But, you know, I'm telling you, like, businesses everywhere are losing jobs because customers just lose interest on the project. Sales is about momentum. And and follow-up keeps the momentum high. And your job as a professional is to show the customer a solution for their problem and call them to action and continue to call them to action until they make a decision. You know, thankfully, most of us live in a free country, so people can say no. And if they say no, great. Your job is not to make them buy it, but your job is to show them how this can help and then bring them to the point of a decision. And they can make the decision. That's up to them. You're there as the guide, not the hero. But, you know, Failing to capitalize and follow up or, or, or I've had companies say we pride ourselves on, you know, not being a high pressure organization, which is code for we're afraid to follow up. We don't have a sales process and we only take orders of people that were already coming in to buy. Hey, if you want to do that, that's fine. But like that's not the way to grow your business and serve more people. Okay, lastly, when we talk about be proactive, I I love this because this is not my natural strength. I've had to grow in this. So, you know, if if you rewind my life back 15 years, I was not proactive. But thankfully, through discipline and resources and friends and books and, you know, you name it, I've been able to build practices into my life that have forced me to be proactive. Sam is someone, I've never met somebody I mean, you could call it a natural aptitude, but I think a lot of it has to do with his background as an athlete and, and the way that he's wired. He has, he has realized that, that being proactive is a superpower. And, and I'm telling you, I've never seen somebody over-communicate with customers like I've seen Sam do it. He's, he's dead serious. Like, he'll, he'll look at his upcoming installations, find a tricky job, call up our installation manager to talk it over, and then call the customer. And just do exactly what he said on the podcast. You know, hey, Mr. and Mrs. Smith, I was just looking over your job and I I talked it over again with our installation team. They're so excited about it and we can't wait to come out to your house to install it. That phone call, I mean, who does that? Like it shows that he cares about the customer. He's invested in this, right? He's not just a salesperson that's, you know, taking the money and moving on to the next one. This goes so far towards a good customer experience and referral work. In addition to that, if something does go south while your installation team is on the job i have I have seen Sam like over and over again be proactive to call the team and say, "Okay, what are we going to do about it okay all the I'll call the customer and say this at the end of the day he'll touch base the next morning at ten a m he'll touch base you know when you have a salesperson that's willing to do that. It, it goes a long ways. And it actually helps out your installation team because what they don't want is like, they don't want to be left alone with a customer that's infuriated and screaming at them. But when Sam can make that proactive call before the customer even hears about it, explain what's going on, it sets your install team up for success. And, and it takes a situation that's not ideal and turns it into an opportunity to you know serve that customer well and win future business. I mean, you know, we've all had these stories, but but he's telling the truth when he's when he thinks about this one situation. It was terrible with this customer; like everything went wrong, but because of how it was handled, now the relationship is great, and they love their fireplace. and And literally, like this customer and Sam have a relationship that that continues to this day. Sam has an article in in the you know the March issue of the Firetime Magazine that's all about this. And I'm going to quote him here because this is really important. He says, being proactive isn't a skill. It's a choice, a choice that will pay long-term dividends and make it easier to do business with you. That's the truth. You know, you have the decision to, to listen to this and do something about it or not. Like, don't make the mistake of just listening to this podcast for entertainment. And, you know, there's a lot more entertaining things out there on the internet. You know, listen to this and think, okay, Sam gave us five things. What are we going to do about it? we can't do it all at once, right? We're going to start with step one. Okay, we're going to establish a sales process. I don't know how long this is going to take you. It might might take you three, four, five, six months. What's next? Okay, we've got a sales process now. Okay, we got to avoid that industry jargon. The purpose of this podcast is to give you items that you can take action on right away. And I think this episode is really special. I know it can do that. Now, if in general, this podcast, you know, helps you grow your business and gives you action items that you can, you know, put in play right away, and you want to support it financially, you can do that by going to the website patreon.com slash itsfiretime. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash itsfiretime. And I'm going to give some kudos here that, you know, Napoleon is one company that has has really made an effort to support this podcast, and it it means the world. Uh, There's a lot of companies that are doing great work, but for us, it's just been an honor to see them kind of anonymously supporting something that they believe grows the industry and, and therefore grows their business too. So it means a lot. And and to everybody else that, that is supporting us too, you know, whether your donations are just a little bit or, or more substantial, it means the world. We know that not everyone is in a position to be able to support the podcast. And so for those of you that do, thank you. Like we don't, we don't take it lightly and our mission is to provide you the best quality content possible so that you can continue to serve more customers and run a better business. So as we round out, I want you to think about today's episode. I actually want you to to take pen to paper and I want you to write down like which one of these five is the one that I'm going to start focusing on and, and tell a team member about it. You know, this is an episode that I would recommend listening to with your team. I mean, I mean, for sure with your sales team, but probably with your entire company as well, because this is this is important. Most often, it's the little things that, that make the biggest difference in a business. And everything that we talked about today is, is a small item that can make a big difference if you stick with it long term. So I'm going to step out of the way. I hope you guys have an amazing week. Just remember that you are doing work that matters. People see it and people know it. We'll see you later. Thank you for listening to the Firetime Podcast. To learn more, visit the website itsfiretime.com.